Good morning and happy President's Day and welcome to Crossroads of Rockland History on WRCR and WRCR.com. I'm Claire Sheridan from the Historical Society of Rockland County. Today I'll be joined by Scott Kaplan, history teacher from Suffern High School, and Richard Donegan, the education coordinator from the Historical Society of Rockland County. Our topic today is teaching local history in our schools and the upcoming John T. and Mary A. Grant High School Local History Conference, which will take place on March 2nd. The Historical Society of Rockland County is a nonprofit educational institution and principal repository for original documents and artifacts relating to Rockland County. Our headquarters are a four acre site featuring a history museum and the 1832 Jacob Lawveld House, located at 20 Zucker Road in New City. It's listed on the National Register of Historic Places and a newly designated New York State Path Through History site. Part of our broad and challenging mission is to share the history of Rockland County with the public, and we rely on financial support for membership and donations from people just like you. Right now, we're in the midst of our annual appeal. We hope you will make a donation to help us preserve and share the history of Rockland County. Please visit our website at rocklandhistory.org to learn more about how you can make a tax-deductible contribution. So welcome, Scott Kaplan, to Crossroads of Rockland History, and thank you for being here on your day off. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to be here, and it's actually an honor to represent uh, all of Rockland County history, and especially Suffern High School, uh, in explaining what we're going to be doing uh, in the next couple weeks. Great. So as a veteran teacher with more than 16 years of experience, what have been the trends that you've seen in your students? Do they have enthusiasm for history, and has that level increased or decreased over the years? I find that the enthusiasm for history has increased over the years, especially as a, as a teacher who specifically deals with seniors in the high school. Uh, we get to do a number of aspects that the other teachers don't get to do based upon hands-on type of meetings and projects. You know, in my economics class, we'll do a number of things when they can learn about the history of business or the history of the stock market. And in our government classes, what we do is that we have a community service type of program as well that relates back to history where they can learn all about the history of Rockland and they can go to government meetings. So the enthusiasm is really there. Uh, On all different levels, what the students want to do as well is that they want to learn about history in a hands-on manner. And the nice thing about these senior courses is that there's not as many, let's say, standardized or test-based type of things that they can do. What they can do as well is that they can go out to the community and learn all about history. So I recently watched a a video of an interview of some university students being asked some basic American history questions like who won the Civil War, who was our first president, and many of these college students did not know the answers. And when one thinks about history, a subject that is intrinsically accessible and interesting, it seems odd that students don't know basic facts. And I know when I was a kid, I learned the most from the teachers that were passionate about their subject. What are your thoughts about that? I absolutely agree that the more enthusiasm that a teacher has, then the students will be much more engaged in the classroom. That's number one. Uh, Do I feel that the students have much less of knowledge than years ago? Absolutely as well. I don't think it's because of the enthusiasm of the teachers. I just find that there's such a road that they have to go on based upon what 
the law says in terms of what the state requires them in terms of education, it's the fact that they're not getting that hands-on real-world information that they need. Like, who is running our government? What are the laws? What about the Constitution? And that's where we need to really make the changes. It's much more the fact that learning is essential but it's about real world learning more than the date of a certain battle because when they become adults that date is really not going to have any relevance in their life but the fact is is that if they learn about real life in terms of laws and who was the first president and the policies that were put in and why the fact that our presidents are doing certain things now especially in this election year and now even with more you know, preference on it in terms of, unfortunately, the death of Justice Scalia and the legacy of our sitting president or maybe the new president as well. That's what the students need to learn much more about factual information in terms of actual years and everything like that. At the end of the day, however, the material that the curriculum requires has to be passed on to the students and they need to be able to prove that they understand that. So, what value and, and how, how do those standardized tests, you know, achieve that goal? To me, standardized testing, the one thing that it shows is just how much information that the teacher is giving to them in the year. But again, I'm not a proponent of the standardized testing route. Why? Because there are different types of students out there. And with that in mind, students learn in all different manners. So we have to connect to them and really find a way to teach them that they can really grab that passion for history or grab that passion for any subject, for that matter. It's not just about history. It's about the educational system. So the more we can have more hands-on type of learning, like a lab-type situation, or going out on a field trip and really experiencing and bringing history or another subject alive now, for me it would be history, obviously, then that's how students are going to learn. You know, for example, our History Honor Society at Suffern, and hopefully at the beginning of June, will be taking uh, 50 students to Philadelphia for a day trip. Not an overnight trip, but a day trip. We're going to leave earlier than school starts, and we'll come back, you know, early evening. And we're going to go see the monuments. And they're going to be, history is going to be brought alive in, in that way. What we've also done in the past with our History Honor Society, which is a nationally recognized History Honor Society as well, not just a local-based one, is that we brought them to the Intrepid. And what we do is that we bring history alive in that sense. Another thing that we do, so, you know, bringing history and government and just the subject of social studies alive, is that every four years, what we do at Suffern High School with our History Honor Society is that we run a mock election. We take two students, sometimes some of our board members, sometimes are not. They are the representatives who will then be the people who are running for our country. You know, the two people who are Democrat and Republican will prep them, will have mock debates, and then will run student-wide assemblies. And, you know, our administration is, we're very fortunate to have an administration that backs us in, in this way. So, because they feel that the more hands-on material that all of our students get, and the more they learn about real life, the better off they're going to be and more civic-minded, you know, people that they're going to be for their communities wherever they live. 
I've always thought that just about any topic in American history can be, you know, there's a local event, person, or place that can tie to that, whether it's commerce, industry, technology, transportation, immigration, government, environment. The list can go on. So I'm curious about how and when local history is 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 brought into your curriculum in, in school. Well, what we do first... Right. Just to keep in mind that in our participation in government classes is that there's a community service requirement. And what happens is also that there's a meeting requirement. So they can learn all about the local history at these government meetings. And they have to go to six outside meetings, outside government meetings, where they're going to learn all about the zoning laws that have gone in the past and also some of the new ones. And it just has to be zoning for that matter. Furthermore, they have to do community service. So they're going to learn all about why certain things have gone on in Rockland. Now, another thing that we do is that we also push the Rockland County you know, History Conference that we'll be attending, and we're bringing a number of students who want to go there, and they're going to be learning all about that. And furthermore, we also use as a guide for us our town historian, Craig Long. So there's all connections, you know, in that sense as well. So we learn about Rockland County, but they also learn about Rockland County, you know, starting even in the elementary schools. I, I can tell you that for sure, you know, having one in elementary school now and one who just graduated elementary school who's now in middle school, that they've learned about Rockland County history and they've connected it to, his, you know, historical you know, things as well, you know, sort of some of the battles that have gone on and how Rockland has developed. And that's one of the great things about this conference coming up is that, you know, really the theme is Rockland County history. And I can tell you the students that I'm working with, uh, what we're doing is that we're doing a project on Rockland County sports, present and past, cultural events, the retail aspect. So these students are going to be able to pass down and present this, their projects to their fellow classmates as well, especially the, the Suffern High School History um, Honor Society. That's great. You, you've talked a lot about what's effective with your students, and I, th- I think you know the hands-on, real-life experiences, seeing things firsthand, like your, your field trips and so forth... How about primary sources? Is it feasible to bring primary sources into your classroom to work with? You know, it is. You know, and to me, the primary sources are the people who have lived it. You know, you bring in a Holocaust survivor, for that matter, and we, we've done that. Or you bring in a current politician. I know um, one of our congresspeople, uh, Ellen Jaffe, is looking to come in as well and speak to the... So you know, social studies, you know, members, and not only the members, the students of the Suffern High School community. So these are the primary sources that, you know, we're looking at. Yes, it's great to have primary source readings and something of that nature. But to me, the more the hands-on when you talk about the people or if you can bring them somewhere, that's when you bring it alive. You know, a, a teacher can be incredibly enthusiastic in the classroom. But the fact is, is that with the requirements that they have, you can provide them with a Federalist paper, you know, a number 10, a 51, a 78. And the fact is, is that it's written in a whole different language. And they, we need to break that down and then bring that alive in that sense. But you bring it alive by the primary sources of people and actual hands-on material, we feel. I think that's, I think that's great, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we've worked a lot with um, 
the oral history project, not only at the Historical Society, but with the New City Library and the Sound and Story Project, there's no doubt that the, you know, capturing those firsthand experiences are critical. And, and, you know, digitizing those and preserving them for the future is really important. And I can tell you, one of the things that we do in the economics class is that the students have to do a project learning about the economic background of their family. They don't, they don't know it. Some of them are students who have not had you know, any of their parents or grandparents go to college, for that matter, or for that matter, they, this is the first time that they're going through the United States educational system, and they're learning how their families have developed here in Rockland and why they came here. So it's not only about those who have lived in Rockland, it's about those who might have come over from other countries. And the more they learn about their family history, it really connects them, because we find that the students are amazed what their parents and grandparents and aunt and uncles have gone through to really get them to be in better positions today than they were in their schooling and in their you know childhoods yeah, as well. No, there's no doubt that bringing a personal connection to history is absolutely critical in, in make, bringing it alive for people. There's no doubt about it. You're listening to WRCR and Crossroads of Rockland History. I'm Claire Sheridan from the Historical Society of Rockland County, and today I'm speaking with Scott Kaplan, who is a teacher at Suffern High School, focusing on the History Honors Curriculum, and I'm also pleased to welcome Richard Donegan, the Education Coordinator from the Historical Society of Rockland County. Uh, Rich is coordinating the upcoming John T. and Mary A. Grant High School Local History Conference. So at this time, I'd like to welcome Welcome, Rich Donegan, to the program. Thank you for being here today at Crossroads of Rockland History. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Tell our listeners a little bit about your background. Well, I'm new to Rockland County. Um, I went to uh, Richard Stockton College of New Jersey, way, way down in South Jersey, where I got my B.A. in historical uh, historical studies. I've worked at quite a few museums and uh, archives, so I have a lot of experience working with primary sources that uh, Scott was talking about and also working in museum education as well. And the High School Local History Conference that's coming up on March 2nd, tell us a little bit about that. The Local History Conference provides an opportunity for uh, our county high school students to do some research on topics that are relevant to Rockland County history. They'll be doing presentations for their peers at the event, and what it really helps to do for the students is uh, help them build their research skills, uh, teamwork, and public speaking as well. And how many students will be participating this year, and do they have to have any credentials to participate? We have about 65 students who will be participating in the local history conference this year. Uh, Most of them are History Honor Society students, and most are also seniors and juniors. There's a few sophomores scattered about. And all of the public high schools are involved? Yes, we're happy to say that all 10 public high schools from our, our county will be involved. And what about any of the parochial or independent schools? There's a plus one. There's Albertus Magnus. They'll also be uh, attending. Excellent. So I understand that students will be focusing on historical events and people from the last 50 years. Is that right? That's right. The Historical Society of Rockland County recently celebrated its 50th anniversary. So we decided to carry over that into our local history conference for this year. And they'll be studying different topics of Rockland County history in the past 50 years. Give us a little sample of the subjects they've been delving into. Well, as Scott said, there's going to be a presentation on sports and recreation in Rockland County. We also have schools doing 
uh, presentations on business in Rockland County, uh, county government, um, the construction of the Palisades Mall, Nanuet Mall, and um, there's also uh, a presentation on a young man from Nyack and uh, his, invo- his involvement in New York City on 9-11 and the impact of his life on the town of Nyack. Excellent. When they bring their presentations to the conference, what types of presentations are they doing? They're essentially uh, like PowerPoint presentations, slide uh, slideshows, and they'll be on Google Docs. Excellent. Outside of the conference, once the conference ends, what kinds of things can the students uh, continue to do vis-a-vis history? Uh, there's quite a few opportunities for the students. At the conference, we're going to have some uh, local organizations who will be uh, available for the students, uh, like the African American Historical Society. Uh, there's also going to be the Rockland County uh, Conservation and Service Corps who will be there to tell uh, the students about their organizations. Beyond that, we know the uh, Orangetown Historical Society and the DeWint House, both in southern Rockland County, who uh, like to have uh, local high school students come in and help them out with programs. That's great. I'd like to ask both of you, start with, start with Scott, why do you think a conference like this is important for the students a- at this point? This is going to be an, an opportunity for them that they're not going to get again because they're going to be able to basically hobnob with some of the people who they can make connections with for the real world. Uh, there are going to be assemblymen there. Uh, there are going to be other representatives there. There are going to be congresspeople there. There are going to be also students who have that same passion for history as well. And what they can do is that then, obviously, with social media now, uh, they can exchange emails. They can exchange Twitter accounts, you know, anything of that nature, what they're really into. And what it can do is that it can open up a door that a lot of these students might not have the opportunity to do on a regular school day. And, you know, and with that in mind, you know, being one who's been at this conference uh, for the two years previously, uh, I've had students have doors opened. You know, maybe it's not for next year when they're going to be a freshman, but sophomore, junior, senior year. We're talking about internships, maybe learning also about local laws and government as well, because there's always a nice presentation on that. And they also... The other thing is is that it brings a sense of diversity to them because they get to see what the other schools are doing as well, how they're learning, how they're presenting as well, and they get to have a sense of pride, you know, in their high school because they are representing their high school at a countywide conference, which we don't get enough to do, you know, not only as students sharing, but also as educators. I know there will be a superintendent's conference day in a couple of weeks where there's going to be a countywide superintendent's conference day for a number of subjects, and I know one of them is going to be in history, which I'll be attending. But the more people share and the more people learn from each other, like these students are going to do, and even for myself, me talking to the other advisors, how they run their history honor society and how they run their classes, the better history is going to be taught all around the county, and that's our goal, is to make them much more civic-minded people to become better citizens, you know, just not only for the local, you know, community, but also for the state and federal communities as well. And what about you, Rich? Uh, We were talking before we came on the air, and uh, Scott was saying that uh, different students learn in different ways. I think this conference is important for students because it allows them to, to really immerse themselves in a topic uh, while working with uh, with their with their colleagues, and this really helps people to learn about 
uh, a subject um, in a more in-depth approach than they would in a lecture or reading a textbook. Yeah, and I, you know, having attended it, it's very inspiring to me to see, I think, Scott, you, you said it so well, just the different ways that each group tackles their subject, the way they present their subject. It really represents the diversity of our county and, and just how differently people can think about history and share that in very effective ways. And I think that's you know, whether it's using technology or whether it's using video or whether it's using performance um, and taking people's talents, which, you know, we know that we have incredibly talented kids in the county and using those talents to share history is very inspiring. And, you know, when you think about, you know, so often you think, you know, oh, history enthusiasts are all retired people. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it really is inspiring to see young people excited about history and sharing it in ways that are familiar to them and are exciting to them which which i find was great and we don't get to do enough of that you know when we did this for the first time two years ago what we did was that we did a powerpoint but we also went out and we did interviews and we did a video right in hilburn about the history of hilburn and the building of our community's uh, school board building, you know, learning all about that. And then what we also have done is that we did a presentation where our students dressed up and one of them was Louis uh, the Overture. And we played music as well from uh, that age. I could tell you that other schools have done great things with technology in terms of uh, the fact that they're going to be doing texting as well and they do Jeopardy type of activities and Spring Valley High School has blown people away in terms of their music, what they did with their whole Civil War type of uh, project as well. So as you said, we, you know, with the diversity in this county, we have so many different learners and we have so many different ways that history can be taught. That what, what happens is, is that the, it's an eye-opening day for all the students who really have this passion for history saying that we can do it and we can bring history alive in many different manners and and so often in uh, with high schools you know you when you interact with another high school it's often in a competitive it's either debate it's a it's a sport you know it's a competitive thing and you know there's there's a there's a friendly competition in this a little bit but mainly it's it's really each school supporting the other school and just just there to learn and be supportive of each other which i i find to be really really nice and i i i really enjoyed that so final question in your experience let's start with you scott what's the best method to use to inform students about history and its impact on the lives of your students i don't know if there's a best way i'm going to be honest with you i i think you got to get a feel for your audience in your classroom and for your individual students uh you know being a teacher for 16 years and you're teaching you know subjects of all different natures you know from world history to economics and teaching other semester classes or year-long classes I think you have to read the students on a day-to-day basis and I think you have to go with it you know sometimes maybe you know it's a great story that you find maybe that there is a video or you watch a, a movie and then relate it to the real world as well maybe you have you know a primary source so I don't think you can do history or you, you can really teach history in one particular manner. You know, history is not, or like a number of subjects, it's not a cookie cutter subject. Right. You know, it, it's an alive subject. History, you know, is 
continuously happening. You know, the, the, the Constitution is a living document. Our government is a living and breathing organism. So the fact that we have all of these avenues and all these different ways to teach history, I think that's the best way. I think you really have to feel for your audience, uh, feel for your school community, and feel what's right for those individual students. And even you're going to have different audience within the classroom as well. Right. So, uh, so to me, I don't think there's a best method. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. And, you know, when I first came into education, I thought there was a best method. This is the way to do it. But there isn't. And, and you learn that and you evolve over the years. And I think we're evolving as an historical society in Rockland. Uh, as, you know, we've seen over the last 50 years. I think we're evolving as an education system. And I think we're evolving as a Rockland County community as well. Excellent. So we're out of time, unfortunately, but keep in mind that all of the information that we discussed, as well as a recording of this broadcast, will be available on our website, rocklandhistory.org. So Richard Donegan and Scott Kaplan, thank you so much for being here today on Crossroads of Rockland History. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Uh, I hope you'll tune in to the next episode of Crossroads of Rockland History on Monday, March 21st, right after the Stephen Meredith Morning Show at 10, 10 a.m. My guest will be Laura Grunwig, the director of the Blauvelt Free Library and author of the book One Hamlet, Many Blauvelts. I hope you will tune in, and that again will be Monday, March 21st. And please visit our website to find out about all of the wonderful upcoming events and programs, including our new exhibition opening on March 12th, which celebrates the 400th anniversary of Haverstraw, as well as our walks through history and our history in your own backyard bus trips. Our web address again is rocklandhistory.org, and you can always call us at 845-634-9629. That's rocklandhistory.org or 845-634-9629. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a nice group of friends and fans on Facebook. We tweet, our, we tweet out all the time on Twitter, and you can find us on Tumblr as Crossroads of Rockland History blogs often on Tumblr. And don't forget that many of our broadcasts are archived at rocklandhistory.org. Just go to our landing page and type radio programs in the search box. I'm Claire Sheridan. Thanks for listening to Crossroads of Rockland History on WRCR and WRCR.com. <laughs>